ようかな。We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I am Eugene. And this Felga Carpier is Ben. <laughs> And tonight, we are looking at the first episode, uh, epic episode, of a new series for us here on Fusion Patrol, and that is、uh, the 1970s Battlestar Galactica. The pilot, sometimes known as Saga of a Star World. The Twelve Colonies of Man have been engaged in a war for a thousand yarns with an evil race of robots called. Cylons. But now that war is near an end. Baltar, one of the Council of Twelve, or maybe the Quorum of Twelve, that rules、quorum. the colonies. And they call it both at times. Like, I like Quorum better, but hey, Quorum of Twelve, let's call it Quorum. It rules the colonies, has brokered a peace deal with the Cylons, and the entire military fleet of the colonies is on its way to a peace summit somewhere quite remote. Oops! It's a trap. The robotic Cylons didn't have a change of heart or programming, and they've laid a trap. The fleet is engaged and ultimately destroyed far from home, while the colonies, now defenseless, are slaughtered. Only Adama, member of the Council Quorum of Twelve and commander of the Battlestar Galactica, was suspicious enough to have survived the attack. Knowing That their worlds are lost and that they can never survive an attack from the Cylons. Adama orders that every survivor that can be found should take to any ship that will fly, and they will venture into space to find the mythical 13th colony of man known as Earth. The new Quorum of Twelve is formed. And it's as fatuous, foolish, and indolent as the previous one. They hoard supplies while other survivors starve. The new council starts machinations to remove Adama because he's too tied to the old ways. And they start questioning his leadership choices and destinations. Luckily, Adama has a hotshot fighter pilot, son, Captain Apollo, who backs up his dad when all looks lost and comes up with a harebrained plan to take the fleet to Adama's chosen destination, Carillon. On Carillon, it seems like a paradise. There's a luxury resort where you can't even lose at gambling, and free food that really fattens you up. Having found this paradise, the Quorum thinks that the Cylons will ignore them if they, they just destroy the Galactica and prove that they're no longer a threat, and of course put Adama out to pasture. But Adama hatches a dangerous plan to save the day from the Cylon attack that he knows is coming. But what is the mystery of Carillon? Oh, it's they're insect creatures and they like to plant larvae in the bodies of plump, juicy humans. Anyway, Adama's plan pays off and the suitably chastised Quorum of Twelve presumably lets him get on with running things. Oh, and Apollo has two pals, Starbuck and a Boomer, and they're around a lot for this episode. Starbuck's a bit of a player. Okay, Battlestar Galactica, the,、uh, the, the, the series that started it all. Oh, wait, no, that was Star Wars. No, well, yeah, no, right. Yeah, Star, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, what do you think of Battlestar Galactica, Ben?、Um, well, I, I, I,、uh, gee,、um, I guess I liked it. I mean, I, I thought it was pretty awesome when I first when it first aired. I remember,、uh, well, I, this is only the second time that I've actually seen the pilot in its entirety.、Um, every other、uh, rendition of this pilot has been in some sort of theatrical cut.、Mm-hmm. And I had forgotten how bloody long this thing is. <laughs> It is a, it's a long one, yeah. And unfortunately, because it was aired over what, the period of three weeks, was it? Or was it two hour and a half episodes? I, I don't remember. I believe that the, the first time it aired, it actually aired in its entirety. Man, that's ponderous. It was, and it got cut by something to do with the Camp David Accords, too. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I was reading about that. Uh, which is ironic. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes, come to think of it, yeah. 
But what really kills me, I mean, there are moments that had this just been in weekly installments, it's regular, you know, each episode or each segment, it's regular, a regular length. It could have been okay because there are moments of real slowdown, mm-hmm. and it's it's just a lot of exposition and a lot of drama. I mean, there are scenes between Starbuck and Apollo's sister Athena that I didn't remember, and I'm watching them. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, you know, trying to watch this entire thing in one sitting with these kinds of scenes in here really drags it down badly. It, it's um. Yeah, and well, go on, go ahead, go ahead. When I watch this, I feel like I'm watching a two-hour movie, and then the first episode, the Carillon stuff seems like an add-on to this story, right? So there's the the betrayal and the destruction, and oh, we're off to the wild blue yonder, and there we go, and then, boom, first adventure you get to Carillon, but apparently it wasn't intended that way and in fact if you looked at the old comic books back in the day it it was all part of the same thing but it it it's an odd duck in in the form that it's in and when they cut it for the movie it's still an odd uh an odd film and and yes it's long it it, it's it was it was a slog and we sat through it and my wife is a, a bit of um a Galactica fan, or actually, I think she's a bit of a Starbucks fan, but we don't get into this. Um, but, um, you know, so she was actually thrilled when I picked a TV show that she knew and that, you know, she liked. So she actually sat here and we sat and watched it. And I was like, she was like, I can't remember it was this long either. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was the same thing with Keith uh, at one point. Um, I think it was um, late last week. He, because I, I, he knew that we were going to be um, reviewing this this series, and all of a sudden he chimes in. He says, "You know, whenever you're going to be watching an episode, you know, I'll watch it with you." Cool. Because I've I've never seen him. I what? Okay. Apparently, he said his dad watched him all the time, but apparently he is. Although he never saw the pilot, he may have seen only one episode. Possibly. Please tell me it's the Young Warriors. No, no, no. We'll we'll get to that when the day comes. No, 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 no. It's it's um uh, red eye. Oh, okay. The long yeah. patrol. Is that it? I think it's the long patrol. I, uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I remember, it's I it's not eye. too far off in the future. It's yeah. pretty soon. Uh, but yeah, he remembered that one. But he didn't. He said that he'd never seen the pilot. Huh. And I doubt that he's seen uh, the ne- uh, the next big two-parter that right. immediately follows this one. So right. uh, he's kind of he's kind of jazzed to watch it too. Although he does understand that we're talking, this is the height of seventies cheesy sci-fi. Yeah. For network TV. So I, I guess since we're kind of talking about that in in a way, um, my understanding and. Um, was that originally they were going to be making a series of movies. I had read that. And that they decided at the time of airing, before the time of airing, we're going to make a TV series weekly. And the writers were caught flat-footed. So they had some movies planned out. This one, I think the next one, and, and then another one down the line. But they had to go into, ooh, let's write some weekly TV series. And that may show... In the next few weeks, where well, you, get, you inter- get this kind of desperate... Interesting, interesting you should say that. Because one of the big questions is, why the heck did John Dextra quit? Because he was the producer of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, the report that I had read is that he did not realize that... A producer. Well, he, well but he, he's a producer. But when you know during the opening credits, and I will say, awesome opening credits... I really dig him for the for the pilot. I think they really rock. Uh, his name is one of the first to show up. You know, after you see, you know, Glenn Larson. Bleh, yeah. Uh, then, you, you know, Battlestar Galactica, you know, then, you know, he's the first producer name to show up. So you real so, you know, right off the bat that the the visual effects are clearly being done by by his people at probably I think he was he'd already started Apogee um, effects studio by then. Maybe he was working independent. I'm not sure. But. 
he when he did these effects he did so with the mindset that this was going to be for the television screens that we had in the 1970s -hmm. and when the studio later approached him and said oh absolutely not we're going to be doing these things for the big screen too he decided i'm done hmm I hadn't heard that. I just assumed that it, since he wasn't listed anymore uh, along the way, it's because they never shot another f- bit of footage. Well, that for too. special effects from this point forward. But I but mean, the, it's, it's like that's to and, come. Uh, they're already doing that. Oh, I know. In this but, first yeah. episode, oh, the, the the number of reused effects is just beyond the pale, and I don't know why I'm noticing it more acute. I'm not. I'm not saying that I've noticed it now. That's not the case. I actually started noticing it um, when I bought the the DVD of the theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Then I really started to see it. But um, oh god, where was I going with this? I'm not entirely sure anymore. Uh, crud. <laughs> I, I I had a train of thought and it just derailed. Well, but yeah, just... I had noticed that th- this th- there was something just really disturbing about the egregious use. You know, and that, that, I guess that's it. I didn't really, I didn't notice it when I saw it the first time. None of my friends noticed it when we saw it the first time. And to us, I mean, we were kind of like equating this to Star Wars for television. So, I mean, we got spaceships that are flying through space. We got dogfights. John Dexter's doing the effects, and you know, and John Dexter's name was plastered all over the place in Starlog magazine mm-hmm. when it was when uh, when Galactica was being hyped. So I remember watching on television. I don't recall seeing duplicate shots all over the place. I remember thinking everything looked absolutely fantastic. And when I watched it for the first time, you know, the, the the pilot in its entirety for the first time again in since since it first aired. On our 4K TV, I wanted to pluck my eyes out. <laughs> I, you know, I, I feel that if you watch through Battlestar Galactica, at least this is my impression, and I mean the whole series, you eventually get to a point where you realize that they're just using the same footage over and over. And there's the, you know, this peel, there's that ship flies along here and then shoots him while the Cylons coming up below. I mean, there's, there's these set piece shots from dogfights and the set, um, damaged, um, uh, the damaged uh, Viper flying along and, 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 you know, by the time you're 15 episodes in, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, I get that. It's TV show. True. They do that on Buck Rogers. And you've, and you've memorized them. Oh, yeah. I have them all memorized. And Pretty I much. think that's probably why it was so obvious when I watched through it this time. Is because they're indelibly linked. It's like, oh, yeah, here's the first time we ever see the fighter that's got one engine out that they're flying along when Zach's, you know, being chased along. And you think it's fine. When you see it again later in this same episode and you go, whoa, they really had to reuse that on the same day. Yes. That's terrible. It is. That's I terrible. would have hoped that they would have used, you know, established lots of original shots in this episode, you know, in the pilot. Uh, and possibly even the next one or two, and then start reusing them over and over and over again. That's what Next Gen did when Next Gen, when Next Generation first premiered with Encountered Farpoint. We had lots of original shots, and then we started to see a lot of them get reused throughout the year or throughout throughout the series, as they were occasionally adding a new one here, a new one there. But even but, that's that's kind of carrying on from the old, the original Star Trek. Where right. There but, are just the shots of. We fly towards you. We fly away from away you, from you. Yeah. and we we go into orbit and we leave orbit. And then you know that one covers ninety percent of the Enterprise shots that that you ever need. And then they only need to make the occasional one where they're firing a phaser or something uh, at at something. So you know, I never even noticed it in Next Generation. But in I just this like one. Just doing this. Yeah, this is just this. I mean, it really is. It it is egregious because for that very reason you quoted. I mean, within. Uh, I, I think there are some shots that are just repeated minutes apart in the battle with the Cylons. Absolutely, yeah. There are there are shots, the 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 swooping Viper Cylon on tail, other guy uh, firing lasers and leading into the Cylon shot is yep. used over and over oh, again. Oh, over and over. 
Yeah. Um, you know, and some of them are perfectly acceptable to reuse over and over again. A formation of vipers flying towards you. A for, you know, a formation of vipers flying, you know, things that they would do over and over again in a military formation. Right, that formation. makes sort of but sense. But once you get into the dogfight, those, you know, oh, the viper that uh, is flying ahead of the Cylons and then kicks in the reverse thrusters and flies behind him. And the, even the Cylons turning their heads in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. That one's used over and over again. Anyway. Yeah, and and there's one shot that I'm just thinking about right now where you see one Viper being chased by a Cylon ship, and then another one comes in, and what you do is you're seeing it from the point of view of of inside the the cockpit of the the one coming to the rescue, Mm -hmm. and he fires his shots and hits the Cylon ship. It blows up, and... What slays me is that, oh, God, guys, could you have at least change the explosion? Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, it's like over and over and over. I mean, I think it is, yeah, it's it's used at least twice in the initial dogfight scene and then definitely used again over the Battle of Carillon. Yeah. I mean, it, but it's just so... It, it it is such a unique looking shot. Yeah, that's part that, of its problem. Yeah, exactly. Because these, I mean, some of these shots are really awesome in of themselves. But okay, we don't need to see you know that one get used over and over again. I mean, use some of the some of the more generic ones. But again, as you said, I mean, this is a network and it's trying to save money. And this was a very expensive series to produce. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, very expensive series to produce. It was. I promise, listeners, we will actually talk about the the plot of the story of the episode. I just want to say that that you know, part of part of what is Battlestar Galactica is the fact that it is television's answer to Star Wars. Star mm-hmm. Wars had come out; it was big, 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 and everybody wanted to find some way to kind of you know cash in on that cow. And and Glenn Larson is one of Mister Cash in on cow kind of guy. Not picking on him, he's done some great stuff. But and and I enjoy Battlestar Galactica. I don't know, put that right there. I'm not picking on that. But um, you know, I think the show may have been a little overambitious for television. Um, but you know, they gave it a shot. They hired Dixter Dykstra. I always thought it was Dykstra. John it could De- be Dykstra. John, I, uh, I heard it was John Dextra, but it doesn't matter. Doesn't really matter. Whichever it is, the guy behind the Star Lost and <laughs> what. Yeah, the the Star Lost the the arc. That's his production. That was his special effects company. He quit after a few episodes though because of problems with the network. I wonder if that's a pattern. I had no idea he had anything to do with Star Lost. Yeah, this is our second uh, second. <laughs> anyway, um, so you know, there's going to be inevitable comparisons to Star Wars. In fact, there were lawsuits. Uh, which I think ultimately were dismissed because... They were. Come on. Really? Yeah. Did anybody think Star Wars was original? Ugh. I mean, I, you know, yes, it was not what people were expecting at theaters. It was a, it was sort of a, a new take on all the old stuff that, you know, even George Lucas admitted he was just doing the it old... It was all Saturday repurposed. Yeah. I mean, it was done well, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's not an original story. So... So that brings us to Battlestar Galactica, which I will say right now, you know, Carillon bit aside, there's a lot more meat in the Battlestar Galactica premise to me than there is in the original Star Wars. You know, that was the original Star Wars was a one and done story. Everything after that has been, you know, building onto building onto the legend. But uh, Galactica feels like. Well, I mean, apart from the wagon train to the stars. <laughs> uh, it goes beyond that. It's actually stories taken from Mormon doctrine. Right, right. And, and which Glenn Larson. He's held, he's a Mormon. And, but, it, you know, and that's fine. I, you know, the, great. You've got, a, you've got a source of coming up with, with these stories. Well, it, it just it, feels, it, it feels deeper than Star Wars to me. Because it, it yeah, the original source material, I mean, it, it's, it's of some kind of... Uh, substance, and they just fleshed it out for a sci-fi. You know, I'm I'm not criticizing yet. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so, uh, you know, st- there will probably be inevitable comparisons along the way with things like Star Wars and other attempts to capitalize on Star Wars, like Buck Rogers in the 25th century, which is also Glenn Larson. You know, the man 
if nothing else, keeps trying. Um, okay, so here is looking at the story. You'll note in my synopsis, I basically completely wrote Starbuck, Apollo, and, and Boomer out yeah. for the most part. Because this is the story of Adama when we're watching this. You know, he is the he is the key component in what's happening along the way. Apollo, Starbuck, Boomer are kind of like the little chess pieces on the table. They're the ones that kind of get the little mini adventures, like, oh, well, let's, help like, the, you know, let's help the kid with needs his new dog, and let's help right. the people. Right, I mean, like, they're, they're more than pawns, but, yeah, it's, it's all about Adama and what strategy that he's using to try and save what's, what's left. I mean, I think he, even though he did uh, initially voice his objections uh, prior to... The, the the council and all of the battle stars and, and the colonies being destroyed, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he still feels that he, he, he's still shouldering some responsibility on that. Right, right, and 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 he should. So, well, maybe not. But yes, he should because, damn it, the 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 president of the council was just beyond stupid, and I think that's I think that's my problem with that premise maybe you know there's there's a moral to be told here well again it's there's a biblical uh, a loose biblical parallel that is being drawn there that you know the, uh, for example example okay let's look at baltar baltar is he he keeps shifting i mean sometimes he's um sometimes he's a pawn sometimes he's um he's a representation of satan mm-hmm. and in this particular case early on he is a version of Satan who is merely tempting, uh, tempting the president. And you get that during uh, a dialogue over, um, over, over their, their comm system. And Adama is desperately trying to get the president, you know, please, I got two fighters that are under attack. And what do you got? You've got, you know, a, a Baltar right over the president's shoulder, mm-hmm. right over his left Boy, ear and saying, well, I wouldn't do that if I were you. We might have a problem here. Blah, blah, you know, on and on and on. And you've got the president just nodding his head all the way through. You know, uh, Baltar is essentially the serpent at this point. Mm. He he is the equivalent of the serpent who is now, you know, and, you know, for lack of a better term, Baltar is, uh, not Baltar, but the president is now Eve. A and lot of- Baltar is not, so, so he's, and he's trying to, he's trying to tempt uh, the president into uh, doing something that uh, he's not supposed to do. So yeah, there's a lot of really weird mixed metaphors going on here with some of the characters and who they're supposed to represent at any given moment. You know, sometimes though, when you get into when you get into a mythology, um, and and I'll I'll try to abstract this. Let's pick uh, Icarus and Daedalus, right? Don't don't okay. fly too close to the sun, right? right. They, they just you just—it's so basically simple, and yet the person still does it. And in any and if you were to try to make a realistic story out of that, it would be really hard not to make that person just a complete moron, right? You you, you mm. can't look at you can't write Icarus in such a way that he's not going to be stupid. Oh, he's an idiot, right? But you don't have to worry about the mythology because you just you know you just fling it out there, and it's a it's a it's a broad stroke. Right. And so here we have the the quorum of the twelve, and we see it more than once. The quorum of the twelve are so stupid and so corrupt and so bad that they are caricatures. And the the president, it's just really I have trouble with that when they, they tried to bring it down into something that you know you're kind of supposed to take as this is actually happening. And you know, he has to behave stupid for the sake of the story. Well, and again, there, there's one other one other thing. Uh, and, and as I said earlier, this is taken from a lot of Mormon theology and some biblical theology. The fall of the colonies is supposed to be a representation of the destruction of the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. And they fell due to corruption mm-hmm. and we they, see a lot they, of that and and that's what's that's what's going on here they became corrupt um maybe not in a very malevolent sort of way but uh more out of hubris and that is that you know pride goeth before the fall so that's why they're being portrayed the way they are because 
that's sort of the biblical story of the of the twelve tribes. So again, we're seeing uh, another representation of a biblical story from the Old Testament being set up here. Does it make it any easier to watch for the reasons you are stating? No, because I just want to pinch that president's head off for being such a complete idiot. Yeah. Now there is there is a, at a point in this story where Adama actually, and in case you missed the metaphor, um, Apollo is asking him why why they let Sire Yuri on the new quorum of the twelve. And he says something to the effect of... You should have known him. Yeah, you should have known him in the old times. He was a builder, a great thinker, uh, a, a dreamer. And uh, and now with age, he's, you know, thing. And then he goes, something like, perhaps that's something that's happened to our society or something to that effect. And yeah, okay, smack me over the head with that paintbrush. Mm. <laughs> Got it. But it's... um. Uh, it's a it's a fair it's a fair observation. I mean, it's a fair observation of any civilization that I can think of, even right to this day. Hmm. You know, it, it's uh, these these are timeless human foibles, uh, just played up a little bit, played up a little bit too bit. So, I, the fact that this is driven by the stupidity of the council twice. You know, there is both the destruction of mankind is the stupidity of the council, and then the the disaster at Carillon is, we formed a whole new council of idiots <laughs> and start again. And I, if, if I had my druthers about future episodes of Battlestar Galactica, it, it would be less Quorum of the Twelve. That would be, and more and more fighter pilots. No tea in the Midlands. No, no tea in the Midlands. Yes, we. <laughs> uh, so we have we have our. Um, so Adama actually, you know, even though Adama's storyline is the well, you know, he's the patriarch. He's uh, well. Of this... He's also if uh, I, I read, he's he's the only member of the twelve who's also military. I was kind of wondering about that. The rest are not. I was kind of wondering, and, and you know, there are so many questions about the quorum. Are they the leaders of their planets? Yeah, basically, yes. They are the represent. They they each represent one of the twelve colonies, and even the president says that. But but yes, they each represent one of the twelve colonies. But do they represent them, or are they the leader of their colony? Is Adama the head of Caprica? Uh, I don't think so. I think they are just duly elected. But I don't think they are the actual leaders of each colony. They're they're highly respected leaders per se, but I don't believe that they're actually like you know the boss. Well, it's it's basically it's not like the UN. Well, no, actually, the UN's not a, that. That's not even a good example. You still have ambassadors. So I think that's what they are. They're merely ambassadors. They are representatives of each uh, major colony, but not the leader of that specific colony. But if the Quorum of the Twelve uh, can negotiate uh, peace treaties with the Cylons and seems to be conducting business, then I assume that they may that the Quorum as a whole is the leader of the Twelve Colonies. It is the governing body of the Twelve Colonies. So it's it's kind of weird, you know, and. Uh, it's the governing council that has a president, and yet individually they are not the leaders of their own individual worlds. Mm. Mm. So that would mean necessarily that there was a different commander on the other battle stars. That is what I'd read. And I'd read that actually in uh, a novelization that Adama was the only military member of the Quorum of the Twelve, which at some point, I guess later on, is actually going to become uh, a point hmm. because it's, it, it, it's the same thing all over again now. I mean, especially now. I mean, he's, you know, Galactica is the only military ship left. So clearly he's, he's once again, he's the only military uh, member of the council. But because of his position, I know that there's an episode later on where the, the other 11 members, or at least you know, most of them, are going to do their part to try to get him out. Yeah, they were trying to do that in this one. Well, I think so too. Yeah, that's that's what they were trying to do with this one. They were they were trying to dump Adama, and um, of course, you know, short term, short term gain and lack of long term vision is what was going on there with the with the council. But yeah, they were going to try to retire retire Adama, and they wanted to destroy the Galacticate so they could prove to our capitulate to the Cylons and go, look, look, we're we're not a threat to you. We're not a threat. Look, we destroyed our 
Battlestar, we got rid of Adama, you know, just leave us be. No, die, right? Which is the part that gets me is like, surely after a thousand yarns, they must know that the Cylons are not programmed for this. You know? And that's that's the key. They're programmed. Yes. I mean, we hear the big speech later on in the uh, in in the episode or episode, you know, whatever you're gonna call it. Movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apollo is talking to Boxy and giving him a whole rundown, and now we're getting the history as the viewer of the origin of the Cylons. They were long, long time, thousands of yarns ago. They were a reptilian type race. They then built this race of robots and named them after themselves. And then, you know, the the creations turned on their masters. So, you know, there's mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the whole AI thing is, you know, screaming at us. But there's still some semblance of programming. Even the imperious leader is a highly um, advanced robot, of, uh, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's there's nothing organic there. Everything they do is program based. I mean, we even hear that at the end in the epilogue where we meet the new imperious leader who refers to his, you know, his predecessor and talks about programming. So it's they say it right there. Mm-hmm. And that should have been evidence enough, Mr. President. It's like there's nothing going to happen until we get rid of all of them. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. And and is that wrong? Now, <laughs> what? Well, <clears throat> all right. They're a race of beings. Are they a race of beings? They have a civilization. They have they have leaders and they have purpose and they have do they have a right to exist? Is extermination, is genocide of the Cylons actually any less of a crime than the genocide of the humans by the Cylons? Oh boy. Um I, now I'm thinking um Hitler nineteen thirty eight. We well, need we we need you know, we need growing room. I mean, if if you have an intractable enemy that will not stop until you are dead, which is presumably what the Cylons are, they will not stop until we are completely destroyed. Are you justified in destroying them? Now, that's one. That's one question. And two, does it make any difference that they are a robotic race? Are they any less? Do they have any less rights to live, exist, to carry on than than? Well, me? that you know, know, then that brings up the whole question: of what is life? Are they alive? Uh, do they have actual artificial intelligence, or are they is are they just simply a race of machine? You know, a, I called it a race, but a collection, mm-hmm. uh, some machine type collective that is you know bent on destroying anything that is uh, human. You know, because now you have to define what are the Cylons? Are they alive? Are they not? You know, and I think that's that's what the uh, Galactica reboot yeah, that was. was attempting to try to say. You know that the Cylons now these you know these these aren't your great grandpa Cylons. I mean these things they actually now uh, they they operate beyond just a basic programming. They're capable of independent thought. Well, I, I think I think you know we'll we'll probably come back to this discussion throughout the course of the original series too because i think we're gonna see some glimmers here and there of of that of 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 that question is whether you know think of the episode um measure of a man star trek where they try to prove that data is a life form we know he's an artificial construct the Cylons look a lot more like robots, but mm, you can't know. judge a book by its cover. Yeah, and and we know there are others like the Imperious Leader and the the other one that shows up at the end of the episode, um, which is yet a different model. And um, yeah, I, I'm I'm curious as to whether that's explained. I find the Cylons to be, and I mean when I say the Cylons, I find the original Cylons, the the reptilians. That is something that I hope they explore more because that's one of the more fascinating, um, one of the more fascinating backstories for a villain in a TV show to me, and always has been. It's like I I would desperate to find out more about what happened there because that story is the one that really interests me. Mm-hmm. And there are little there are little glimmers of it throughout this damn series. We I know that, so I know we'll come back to it. But um, yeah. 
another, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that they throw in here, whether it's the mythology or the or just the backstory, uh, whether it's borrowed from the Mormons or whether it's borrowed from Glenn Larson's head uh, or from Star Wars <laughs> or wherever it happens to be. But there's just a lot of fascinating stuff in this show that I'd like to see a lot more of um, and, and a lot less of some of the comic antic hijinks of Starbuck and the, and oh. the gang. Um, okay, Apollo. Let's let's talk about Adama's son. Ostensibly, Apollo is the star of the show. Oh, uh, yeah. He gets first billing. Even though Lorne Green, you know... It's bigger know, uh, billing, but... Pa Carson. I mean, it's, it's, it's Lorne Green. But, yeah, the star is... Because he's... He's young, he's virile, he's handsome, he's the hotshot pilot, you know, but he's got a good head on his shoulders, he's the responsible leader. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's 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 almost, it's an archetype. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, we're seeing Adama's story through his eyes and through his, um, you know, his heroics, right? He, his... His actions in hero, heroism are in aid of Adama's quest, in, in a way. So, mm-hmm. uh... The biggest one in this episode is his, his uh, trip to Carillon through the... Um, Some kind of Nova or something. Or oh, yes, that was in a Nova. Yes, they Which really it. wasn't. It was just a very intense star field. Yes, that's right. That's what he said. Uh, they have... And it's mined because space mines. Um, first of my complaints, we have the big map. I said, well, we could go here. And then, you know, it's got this big loopy thing. Or then we could go there. They got this big loopy thing. But if we go this way, mm-hmm. we can cut days off of it. And I'm thinking it's it's space and it's not even solar system space. But, you know, if you're if you if you're talking about solar system space, i.e. I want to get from here to Mars, for example. Well, you have to worry about where you are on Earth and where Mars is today and where the sun is and and all the gravity and etc because of the way we do things but but this battle star flying through deep empty space as far as we can tell really do we have to do things other than just go in a straight line couldn't they go over the nova instead of going you know to the left of it what, what is the well hey you're talking about a bunch of people who fly pilots that have astrogators in them that's true <laughs> I, I mean I, I mean seriously I mean that's one of the things I know is every time they do a turn it's like oh what are they is it lined up to the galactic plane so that they really do think in merely two dimensions I mean as far as they're concerned is there an up and down <sighs> yeah I wish I wish well we have to go there galactic plane. This show might be worse than Space 1999 when it comes to getting their their space terms wrong. Because I'm pretty sure that the colonies, they say, this is the galaxy of our colonies, right? Oh, yes. I know where you're going with this. Yeah. They, they're, they're so bad at this that I can't, I have no clue. Were, were the 12 colonies around one binary sun system? Because I'm pretty sure they had two suns. Because they were showing that in the morning in Caprica. Are, are all 12 planets in that solar system? You know, that's a great question. I was kind... You know, I honestly don't know. I always always assumed that they were. Me too. And they and part of it is like they're in the range of the outer colonies now. Or, you know, the inner colonies, the outer colonies. Which implies inner planets, outer planets. Right. And now that's the assumption that I always took with it. But now you've got me questioning that. Is it really I mean, viable that there be 12 habitable planets? Well, no. No, it's not. Um, and it would actually... It, it's not. It's, it's less viable. I mean, let's assume that maybe they, you could have 12 viable, you know, livable planets in one solar system. It does not make sense for a spacefaring race to be like that. I mean, they call themselves the 12 colonies. colonies. So I would think that maybe they're kind of, sort of close... Um, uh, in terms of you know their 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 neighbors, you know, there's like you know referring like us to Alpha Centauri or something like that. I I it's don't know. Only, and then it's it, the only it, thing I can think of. And they refer things as galaxies that they obviously must mean star systems. <clears throat> but then at another point, Apollo. No, let's see. Starbuck says, and do we can we take what he says as valid because he says here we are 
10,000 light years from nowhere. This is after they've been traveling from from the colonies for a while. Right. First off, light years? Light yarns. Uh-huh. He says light years. Yeah, so anyway, you're 10, right. 10,000 light years from nowhere. Do you happen to know, off the top of your head, it's a rhetorical question because I have it written down, how many light years across the Milky Way galaxy is? Uh, I had read it once and I do not recall, so please uh, remind me. About 100,000. Okay. So if they're 10,000 light years from the colonies, which presumably is somewhere, not nowhere, right? I mean, if they haven't traveled 10,000 light years from the colonies, then he can't say we're 10,000 light years from nowhere, <laughs> right? Mm. So they're, they're booking. They're really, they can really. Oh, it can haul. Haul some distances there. Even yeah, it though. Burns a lot of, it burns a lot of fuel to do it. But yep, they, th- there are occasions in this series where they. they Go to light speed. They go to light speed. Yeah. Well, if they went 10,000 light years in the time that they left the colonies before, the, before they get to Carillon. How, how did they do that? <laughs> That's a long way. They've traveled yep. a long, long, long way, which is just, you know, more examples of them having not bothering, not bothering at all. They need to hire somebody to do their science for them. Uh, yes, beyond our star system in a galaxy very much like our own is Earth. That's what Adama says. That says a lot in a yeah. galaxy very much like our own. Yeah, that yeah. says a lot. Yeah, I think I, I think I have that as I have that marked as a quote. So beyond our star it system is. in a galaxy very much like our own, it is a quote that he does say that. So, so it's in a different galaxy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, Apollo uh, runs into uh, a beautiful uh, woman, uh, played by Jane Seymour, uh, Serena, and um, they fall in love. In this episode, and poor Serena has this little kid, Boxy, uh, who, who like all colonials, has really bad hair. And um, poor Boxy's lost his daggett, which is their word for dog. I also appreciate, sort of, the fact that Galactica uses different words for things. I mean, it's not just frack and felger carb, which are to get around the sensors, but it's the, you know, they have their own time units and they have their own distance units, except when they're talking about light years. And yeah, they centons, have sectons, daggets. Yeah. I wish they used them consistently. But, That's a uh, problem. <clears throat> that would that would be good. Uh, and I wish some of them weren't um, weren't overlapping with some of our own. Uh, that's 10,000 microns. Like, um, I think we've got microns, and that's not very far. <laughs> 10,000 microns is... Anyway, um, Boxy doesn't have a dog. He lost his dog. His dog, in a very brutal death, when the Cylons were destroying the planet. A bit uh, harsh. Building. It was a bit harsh. But is it believable that with all that destruction, the boy is going to give up and die because his dog is gone? He's a child. He's a child. I guess he doesn't understand the horror of everything else he ever knew destroyed and killed, but the, but the dag it, dag it, dag it. Um, so Apollo being, you know, the commander's son and obviously a favored person on the ship gets uh, Dr. Wilker. It's Dr. Wilker. Is it Dr. Sela? I don't know. They haven't, did it didn't name him in this one. Um, to, uh, to make him a robotic dag it. I hate that. Muffet too. Muffy. Muffy. I uh, hate oh, that. It's thing. vile. It's is it as bad as Tweaky on Buck Rogers? Oh no, it's a tough one. Ooh man, I'm hard pressed on that one. I, 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 <clears throat> uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with I like Tweaky better. I think I like Tweaky better Tweaky's too. Tweaky's more useful. Tweaky's, <laughs> Tweaky's funny. Tweaky says things. Yes, you can have a dialogue with Tweaky. Muffet. Ah. Runs off at the most inconvenient times and causes problems, yes. Come back here, you dang dang it. <clears throat> so I'm hoping that love story goes goes on because I like Jane Seymour. And I, I do, and I too. I want to see more of her in this series. Um, yeah, I mean, I would be just so upset if they, like, killed her off the next episode. I'm like, how dare you? I know. And, you know, in the original version, they killed her off in this one. Right. I had read. I had read that. Yeah, when if you uh, if you were reading the comic books when these came out, the big Marvel comic book adaptation, they were done from an earlier version before they changed it, and there were some things that were changed from the original plan that they that they altered the program. The first was in the original, Baltar was killed. 
Correct. So you get that scene where he says, but, but, but wait, wait, and the Cylon goes to grab the sword and, and then... The, Cuts his head off. And if and you the, see the, the theatrical... Goes, Stop. In the theatrical cut, it's still there. And then later on, he's brought back and he's he's put in command of a base ship and sent off on his way. And Serena is killed in this, I think in Carillon. Um Cassiopeia is killed. She's mm. fed to the... Uh, Ovians. Ovians. Because if I'm not mistaken, they were really trying to build a romance between Starbuck and Athena. Correct. I think that's correct. And uh, it seems like there was somebody else that, that, that went off in the thing. But yeah, so they had those things and then they refilmed scenes to bring them back. So, you know, the bit where Cassiopeia goes down into the thing and it looks like that's the end of her. And then suddenly there's a scene at the end where they find her. Uh, Starbuck saved a day at the end moment. All that stuff was kind of reshoots to... Um, and the and yeah, there. in fact, if you listen to the scene where... Uh, the the original Imperius leader is calling for Baltar's death, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's it, it's leading right, just like it is in the theatrical release. And we should point out that the reason they changed it is because they did show it, and I guess audiences found it too too much of a downer. <laughs> that they're killing all the humans. <laughs> well, they kill, kill. I guess uh, even killing the bad guy. Uh, so when they decided to re-edit it for the TV pilot. You, you then heard Patrick McNee's voice as Imperius Leader. It's it's looped differently. Mm-hmm. There's a different tone. So, you, I mean, you didn't catch it when you're watching it on, on television in 1970s because, hey, 1970s TV sets. Well, it's not just do that. The I mean, you just, you don't know what's happening. You're just listening to the dialogue go along. Yeah, but, you know, and, and maybe now we're more aware, but, you know, with, with the... With, with a really good audio sound system plugged into your TV, you can start picking up things that you normally don't. And uh, when I rewatched the pilot uh, for for this show, I that was the first time I actually heard that dialogue, that little bit, and realized, oh yes, okay. So you know, they pulled Patrick McNee back into the studio, had him re you know reread the lines, but they couldn't quite get the dynamics just right. The tone is a little bit different, so you clearly tell that this is a different recording session. Where he says, "But no, not here, not now. Take, Take him out for, him out public, execution, for right. public execution." Right. So, th- and then then we get the epilogue where he's drug in. So, yeah, that's that's how they you know, did. The and they've got the very here and they've there. got the very <clears throat> they've got the very obvious shot where you cut to the Cylon's hand grabbing the sword, and as he pulls it, wait, and then he stops. Not here, and he yeah. slides it back in. That that insert shot is. All that was, uh, you know, extra footage that they had to do for that and everything else. They could just, uh, you know, you could lay a silent. <laughs> you could just have a picture of a silent standing there and you could loop any dialogue for them that you want at any point. And the Imperious Leader, too, because their mouths don't really move and you never really get a good look at the Imperious Leader. No, either. no, you don't. You The closest you get will be an episode much later on down the road, but that's about it. You don't get a good look. I mean, I did see uh, it, it was the, the I think it was the Battlestar Galactica novelization and I think there was a, a, a really good shot of the Imperious Leader in that one and it was not nothing like I imagined it from what you see in the distance. Yeah, there's there's some good pictures of the actual prop, if you'll want to call it that, um, available to take a look at. And, and you can like, find it online, too. Yeah, yeah, you can see it and, and get a good look at it. You know, it's like, yeah. Okay, um, so that was Apollo's story. Um, it's a whole intrigue with Carillon and everything else. I, 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 it, it's really, it's it, the, the 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 stories themselves, the story itself, beyond the the overarching theme of getting the hell out of Dodge and finding Earth. Um, any any particular pieces you want to call out? Um, There's one scene that uh, well, there are several scenes that I, that I think are kind of interesting, uh, not all for the right reasons, but there's one that is is rather horrific. I mean, by today's standards, it's pretty lame, but for its day, it's pretty, pretty harsh. And it's when Apollo, Starbuck, and Boxy, you know, they they come across the the hives. Oh, right. Where the Ovians are keeping the humans, and you know, you see them in various different states. And then you get to the last one, and there's larva. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's nothing left but a skeleton. And 
for for its time i that's a bit stiff yeah i i i have a note on that one i i love that shot i do um, too now because i have a love for horror but wow that's a bold move to to do something like that i mean even though you don't see anything you know you don't see it eating right. you you just see this this thing with eyes and bones that's all that's left of the person that was in there. But if you're an adult or even a young adult who understands science, you got a good idea what the heck just happened. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty harsh. Seen very soon thereafter in the movie Alien. Yeah, yeah, but again, you much know, more gruesome. But... Yeah, much more gruesome. So I found that to be a bit bit dark, mm. disturbing. But but, but, yeah. it, but you know, again, all in a good way. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I I, I apart from their horrific grasp of science i <laughs> space no. science um I, I i generally enjoy i generally enjoy this story i just feel like man it's obviously it's very long it rambles on a little too much yeah um you, you just have too many kind of um there's the subplot of the people starving on the ships yeah right which a very real problem and all it's used for is to make Sire Yuri an enemy of yep. Adama and his son. Um, you've got, obviously, the whole Starbuck and Athena and Starbuck and Cassiopeia and, and um, fine characters, Starbuck. Obvi- is it really any surprise that Starbuck was more popular than Apollo? No, for the same reason Han Solo is more popular than Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yet it appears that they were surprised by this. <laughs> um, I mean, people like to go for the lovable rogue. With the fabulous hair. <laughs> oh, please. Didn't they all? I mean, between Apollo and Starbuck, I mean, that w- there, there is just some gorgeous hair going on in this series. <laughs> It is it is very much of its time. Well, even it? the women. Yep. I mean, when do they have time to use conditioner like that? I, you know, well, uh, yeah, it's probably space conditioner, <laughs> and uh, it's probably it's probably uh, something they've got like a just a device that goes hair and and produces it out like that. Um, do you know who my favorite character is? Uh, Colonel Ty? Close. Boomer. Okay, I don't mind Boomer. He's cool. Boomer, Boomer. It's like he's not as uptight, stick up his butt like Apollo, and he's not stupidly criminally roguish like Starbuck. He's somewhere in between. Well, he's he's the most realistic of the bunch. He yes. comes across as your, your average, if there's such a thing, uh, fighter pilot. I hope his character gets featured uh, in greater things. Yeah, it is. It is difficult. It is very difficult with Battlestar Galactica to, you know, not know. Not spoiler world. Yeah. Sorry, people. You know, I, it's true. We have seen all of them, yeah, and yeah, much. I suspect. I don't know about you, Ben, but I, I remember them. I do too. Yeah. So I remember them a heck of a lot better than the reboot episodes. Oh well, I can't stand the reboot. I'm not a big fan of the reboot. I, 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 I'm free to admit that. There's a, there, you know, I tried. There were a couple I things. I, I will say this. Um, breaking the continuity here and going up to the thing. One of the, the only thing, the only thing that I liked about the reboot, apart from Seven of Nine or whatever her name was. Um, <laughs> um, uh, number, she was six. Six. Okay, there we go. Um I found the whole Cylon religion fascinating. The notion that oh, they yeah. have their own religion and that they believe that God created man and I th- if I'm if I'm remembering this correctly, God created man and then then God created the Cylons because man was bad or something like that. I it, there was a, sort of a two-stage effect to this. And it made sense. It's like, oh, well, you know, if you had, you, you know, they're going to come up with their own religion, just like all all species are going to, that have this sort of mystic bent yeah, to them. Yeah, and yet, and yet, it sounded more mainstream to, um, you know, cri- you know, I hate to say this, but but to Christian audiences, it's like, yeah, the silence. You know, <coughs> excuse me, the silence kind of 
they kind of believe in what I believe, you know, as opposed to what the humans did. I mean, you know, they believed in these, you know, for lack of a better term, um, you know, they, they, they practiced paganism. Paganism, yeah. So I, I found that part of it fascinating about it. What I did not like about it, as we'll get into it, is that absolutely every character in the Ugh. new Battlestar Galactica was a human being that I would not lift a finger to save. Oh, they were all like horrific, really awful. De- oh, they were. I mean, they were more than deeply flawed. <laughs> it's, like, it's like there is nobody there I like. No, not a one. <laughs> Couldn't stand any of them. In fact, I like the Cylon characters better. I mean, so, at least they had some kind of integrity. Yeah. Anyway, so, but we're not going to be talking about the new one because I'm not going to watch through no. it. No. Oh, God. No, 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 yeah. no, no. I, no, I will not watch that abomination. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Uh, Adama had a different, uh, two sons and he lost one because, you know, we have to have some tragedy in our episode. Bye bye, Rick Springfield. I think that's what Rick Springfield did in a lot of shows back in the 70s. These little one. uh, He was in the Six Million Dollar Man episode, too. Steve broke his arm fake or something and put him in a cast. Well, he finally cracked American television and starred in General Hospital for a while. Ah, okay, well. I know that. Let's see. He had some great dialogue. Right here, you creeps! I love that line. Oh, Um, yeah. I, I, my notes are so there's a number of reasons for this um, listeners one is that uh, you know it's 10-ish o'clock at night or later and uh, and I've been working in my pool since 4 in the morning <laughs> It's 11.30 at night. It's 11.30 at night. Well, there you go. I, it's, been, it's been a long day, so my notes We're are a little punchy. disorganized. We're a little punchy. Uh, let's see. I'm complaining about the planets. Uh, there's 220 ships in the fleet. Okay. Uh, that's a good-sized fleet. That that should be able to repopulate man for at least one generation before... Mm. Um, let's see. Yeah, I can't see anything here worth mentioning. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh yes, no, I do. I, there is one thing, I guess. But so there's the there's the games of again. I love the fact that they're playing pyramid, that their games and that their that their society is sort of Egyptiany, sort of um, uh, astrology. You know that they that they've taken the opportunity to take stuff from our world that we would know of and build it into an alternate civilization that's recognizably our own and that at the same time completely different. So instead of these guys aren't sitting around playing poker, they're sitting around playing pyramid and it's, you know, seems to have things we would recognize to it. And yet it's different enough that you go, Oh, hey, can I buy those cards? You know, but here's my question. You've got all those gold cubits on the table. Right? And then they sound the alarm. What does Apollo do? Sorry, Starbucks. Getting those two confused. Dumps them into his pants. He dumps them into his pants, not his pockets. He opens his pants and he's shoving gold bars into his pants. I I don't know about I don't know about Starbucks for say, but if I did that, I'm pretty sure they'd fall out the pant leg. You think? Some of them might get stuck in your drawers, but but for the, in which case I wouldn't want to be flying in a in a fighter pilot uh, in a fighter later on. Uh, but most of it would just fall out your pant legs, I think. Um, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, that's the kind of thing that caught my attention in this show. It's like, why is he pouring them down his pants? They're just they're just he's just leaving a trail as he f- runs to the 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 fighter. Um. Cassiopeia. The socialator. Socialator. Which the is dirty the word for prostitute. Um, Feed her to I the daggets. Yeah. They're, they're Geminese sect. They only believe in f- intimate physical contact between genders once every seven years. Mm. And only after it's been blessed by blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of thing. Um, bold move? Having a prostitute as a major character? Well, by, you know, yeah, in in a strange way, it sort of is, even though they completely masked it by using the term socialator so that it could get past censors and and not offend children. 
I knew what a socialator was when I was children. I when figured I it out too. I mean, I was in high school, but I, I didn't need to have you know, a degree in rocket science in order to figure it out. He means prostitute. She does sex for money. <laughs> like Lucky Starbucks shoved all the gold in his drawers. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Anyway, uh, <laughs> she could sense it. Sense the gold still down there. And she's going to open the drawers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Starbucks' character is hard to take serious to me in this in this story. He's he's obviously the hotshot pilot. Uh, Athena calls him on it. I think it's Athena that calls him on it. Yeah. That, you know, you, you pretend like you're not in it, but you're the guy that volunteers first, and da 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 which is a pretty stereotyped character. But, again, they're on Carillon, and what's he obsessed with? That singing group. I could make yeah. a fortune when I, I get, get out of the military. It's like, has it actually been a week since your entire species was wiped out of existence? Well, and the, the interesting thing is they even try to bring that up, and yet the follow-through is very poorly done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably one of my biggest complaints is that, in, in, and particularly in this episode, is that they seem to have forgotten that really fast. The Quorum of the Twelve has forgotten that they've wiped out the entire human race. And they're like, eh, well, you know. <laughs> I feel like that's the sort of thing that you'd at least give them a pass for a while, like a year. Or a yarn, if that's a year, or something that, that that perhaps the total annihilation of everyone's families and friends and planets and everything might leave them a little bit scarred and not suddenly be thinking, oh, casino. Hey. Which oddly enough, they sort of tried to address in the Galactica reboot. <clears throat> I, well, I suspect. I mean, let's face it, the people who did the Galactic Reboot, whether I like it or not, the people who did the Galactic Reboot were obviously fans of Galactica, and there are certainly things that we could look at here that need some addressing. <laughs> it's like, that, that, you know, we're not exactly... So, yeah, I would... I, it would be... I, I don't know that I would come up with a way that they were trying to address it, but I would definitely... Um, I would be trying to fix it if I were... If somebody said, hey, you, go make a battle Star Galactica, I would definitely try to keep the same story and yet at the same time fix some of these things that bug me about it. All right. Um, what else have we got? Um, yep. Not anything. I mean, there, there's stuff. There's, there's tons of stuff. I mean, tons a of stuff, but it, that's really much all of the substance. I mean, you know, one other little thing that I thought was interesting was the singing group i kind of dug them starbuck really liked them yeah i kind of dug them i thought they're far out um interesting effect in order to give them three mouths and six eyes was it four eyes and three mouths i don't don't recall i mean interesting effect in order to pull that off they were fun four eyes and two mouths i I actually have it written down really (laughs) i'm looking i'm looking over here i think it's Two mouths, okay. And I, remember- I thought they're far out. I liked them. Um, uh, I would like to have seen more of them, to be honest. Well, you know, maybe Starbucks right in his instinct that this is this is the next big thing. This is Carolyn raises an interesting question. Um, why is it that the Cylons? No, that that's not the question. Well, it's that's it is part of the question. How many other races are out there? Let's start that one. Is this a is this a Blake Seven universe where basically everyone's human and there's just an occasional not human, or is mm. this a Star Trek universe where everywhere you go is completely different race? Because you no, know, what we've seen in this show is you know there are Cylons, 
they were a race of reptilians. There are the Ovians. Ovians, Ovians, something like that. Uh, yeah, Ovians. And there's the Singers species, whatever that is. And there were two other races that, that Adama or Apollo mentioned that the Cylons had. It was Adama that the Cylons had attacked. This is why we intervened, because they were trying to subjugate the Havadas or something like that. Um, so I think we're in a multi-multi-species universe. Have the Cylons subjugated all of them now? Do they have to destroy them? Hmm. Are the humans better than everybody else? And, I, and I'm saying that because remembering the backstory of the Cylons, the, the original Cylons found that the human form was more efficient, and that's why they built the Cylons to look like humans, not original Cylons. So it's like, is this is this human um, human superiority in this in the galaxy, or the universe, or whatever word we're using this week for space? <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of curious because it sounds to me like the humans are really not. If there's only just like the twelve planets, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that, but I, I'm I'm just I have wondering no idea where you're why going is with it, that. why are the why are the Cylons obsessed with the humans? Why are they do not wipe out the Ovians? And yes, the Ovians is supplying them with with fuel. Well, maybe but, the yeah, well, but, maybe the Ovians are just too um, insect-like in their thinking, because we do hear Adama very early on in the episode explain everything about humans that the Cylons hate. Yes, yes, that's what they hate. But we also know that they were out to slave enslave the other races and stuff. That's what got us in conflict with them in the us them the colonies in conflict with them in the first place and you know there is a sort of single-mindedness to the Cylons pursuing all the humans when it seems like there's probably a whole bunch of other races that they could be bothered uh worrying about now that the humans are gone but anyway uh you got anything else i uh, have uh no, nothing else that I... No, absolutely nothing else. A lot of backstory in this one. A lot of just kind of setting up the pilot, you know, the, the mm -hmm. premise of the show. So I'll be looking forward to the next one, which is um, Lost Planet of the Gods. Now, I will say this, listeners. Um, we are definitely just going to do those as one story. Thank you. So two episodes. So that makes Battlestar Galactica only 17 stories long, if you do it that way. There's quite a few two-parters um, along the way. But we'll just do the two-parters as one because it's just one story. It's not... It wouldn't make any sense to, like, I don't know what we're going to see talk about next week and the, the exciting conclusion of Lost Planet of the Gods. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thanks uh, for putting up with all the Felger carb, uh, Ben. Frack. <laughs> and listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time uh, when we're talking about Battlestar Galactica. And I uh, hope we'll be a little bit more awake uh, when putting the episode together. And, uh, and talk to you next time. Thanks. Frack. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, FusionPatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.